Science 1128 when he said, which I had read previously, apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. He was not content to lead men and women to Christ and then abandon them. When Jewish false teachers came into the church, they were questioning Paul's authority, discrediting his apostleship, and even worse, teaching a corrupt and contrary gospel message. Paul's ministry was primarily to the Gentiles, and they were saying he was a phony. These false teachers were called Judaizers because they were trying to entice Christians back into the bondage of the Jewish religious system. Galatians is a unique letter. When Paul found out that after two or three years of the churches being established, the Galatians were abandoning the gospel, the true gospel he had taught them, he became alarmed. Chapter 1, verse 6 says, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. His reaction is harsh and intolerant. Unlike any other letter, Paul's entire mood is white hot and very severe. They were moving from grace back into law, abandoning liberty for legalism, and they were doing it quickly. They were teaching to be saved, one needed to be circumcised, follow Jewish traditions, keep dietary laws and holy days, that in order for Gentiles to be saved, they had to become Jews first. Some Messianic churches even today teach all Jewish laws must be kept. Some churches believe that one must be baptized to be saved. Many religious denominations teach one must do good works in order to be saved. This is heresy. This heresy invalidates the value of the cross. If we add to faith, we invalidate Christ's atonement. His death would not have been sufficient. If we could work for our salvation, why would Jesus die for us? Works plus faith destroys faith. Christianity would have become a minor branch of Judaism and all of us would still be dead in our sin with no hope of salvation. The grace of God is a basic theme of this letter. Grace is simply God's favor to undeserving sinners. The Galatians were not simply changing religions or churches, they were actually abandoning the very grace of God. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Good works are a result of salvation by grace, not the reason for our salvation. We are no longer slaves. We are free from the bondage of the law. A person does not become a Christian by merely agreeing to a set of doctrines. We become a Christian by submitting to Christ and trusting him. To turn from grace to law is to desert the God who saved us. We must never forget that the Christian life 
is a living relationship with God through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our last lesson of the first semester is on December 1st, which is also our Christmas luncheon. So it will be the Christmas story, <coughs> the wonderful story of our Savior's birth at the time we are celebrating his birth. You see how that works. Enough said. Our second semester will begin Thursday, January 12th with a continuation of our study of the book of Samuel. First and second Samuel were considered one book in the earliest Hebrew manuscripts. Later, they were divided by the translators of the Greek version. Last term, we completed first Samuel. We learned that Israel was at a very low point spiritually in her history. The priesthood was corrupt, idolatry was practiced, the Ark of the Covenant was not at the tabernacle, judges were dishonest, Israel was a loosely knit group of tribes. Samuel was the last judge. The Jews wanted a king, and they got Saul. Then God gave them David. Through the influence of godly Samuel and David, these conditions were reversed. Second Samuel is about restoration. Our God is a God of restoration. He does not discard broken people. He wants to forgive and restore people to a right relationship with him. But his willing to forgive is conditional. Before a sinner can be restored, he or she must first confess their sins. The Apostle John says in 1 John 1, 9 in the NIV, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. David was a man after God's own heart, but he was also a man who understood about sin and its devastating results. He is an example of someone who has the right view of sin that leads to true confession and God's forgiveness. God does forgive and restore, but he does not absolve us from the consequences of our sin in this life. The Apostle Paul says in Galatians 6, 7, a man reaps what he sows, we see this truth played out in David's life. We have much to learn from David and how God deals with him. Perhaps seeing David's example might even discourage us from sinning. Wouldn't that be interesting? I pray that everyone here will be faithful in attending our Bible study this year. Philippians, Galatians, the Christmas story, 2 Samuel. Wonderful. The joy and the freedom, the restoration. What a wonderful God we serve. Let's pray. Thank you, dear Lord, for giving us your word and teaching us that your word is not only for the learning, but more importantly, Lord, for the living, that we're to live your word, that we're to understand your word. Help us to live your word and be faithful in our attendance, Lord. Thank you for the joy you give us, the freedom you give us, and the restoration you give us. And may we live each day in gratitude to the magnificent God we serve. Amen.